Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Looking around, I finally see I think I need a change. The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We are your hosts, Harold Thornbro and Rachel Jamison. I'm glad you're joining us today. Uh, what's going on, Rachel? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. We are uh, Mother Nature up here has been a little bit uh, crazy. Last week, I think when we talked, we had the crazy snowstorm and we had tons of snow, and now mm-hmm. all the snow is gone and it's been like 40 degrees. Yeah, it's been fifties. So. I think yesterday it was uh mid fifties and pretty nice day out. Uh-huh. And I and I got up this morning and it was forty eight when I woke up. So I mean it's yeah, changed. But then it's supposed to this weekend I think get down down in the low thirties again. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. starting to go back the other way now. All over the place. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a little bit crazy. So what's so what going been, on on your homestead? Oh, same. Just, uh, well, I've been sick. You know, I actually had a few days of sick. We, you know, gathered for Christmas and around all the kids and, you know, everybody started passing their crud around. So I had a few days there where I wasn't feeling too good. But I also just been uh, taking advantage of the slowdown, you know, and been doing lots of reading yeah. and planning uh, for this year on the homestead. And I've been thinking a lot about my aquaponic system that I talked about last week that <laughs> completely failed with the the really cold weather we had. Um, but I, I I took note of what didn't fail, and what didn't fail was the um, the cuttings, the elderberry elderberry cuttings. Okay. They're doing great. It didn't affect them at all. And I thought, you know, I think what I'm going to do rather than just shut this down is just I have a bunch of cuttings. Uh, elderberry cuttings and some goji berry cuttings that I was going to try to sell locally and some other stuff, you know, I was going to just try to take cuttings off a bunch of stuff. And I thought, I think I'm just going to, the aquaponic system just seems to be the ideal setup for rooting those things. And I'm just plugging them in there and letting them root. And I'm just going to turn, I think I'm just going to just do that through the winter, just get everything rooted and ready to plant uh, with some nice, healthy roots on it come spring and then right. I can put some in pots and sell uh, and locally here. And um, yeah, I mean, I know that rooted rooted cuttings uh, do a lot better than just trying to stick them in the ground and root them. If they're already got some nice healthy roots on them and then planting them, they do a lot better. They grow a lot faster. So I think I'm going to try to do that. So I've just been, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of planning and a lot of, you know, just focusing on what I got here and what's working and what ain't working and, you know, going I with did. it. About the same thing over on this end, just been going through some stuff and purging it and organizing it and uh, end of year taxes and you know, all that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I got to play that the game. The reality of life, though. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been doing stinks. that because I get my work slows down a lot for the next few months. So, yeah, I've been doing that. Been spending some time at the, the new property. Yeah, we went for a hike and we were just kind of, it's easy to see things now because we have a lot of underbrush, like um, blackberries and stuff. So in the summer, it's hard to tell mm-hmm. exactly where hills are. We have, our property's pretty hilly and um, it's hard to tell where things are. But once all those leaves and stuff are gone, it's like, oh, I didn't realize that. I mean, we actually found, <laughs> oh, this is an interesting story people would probably enjoy. So we bought this property within like 10 minutes of standing on it it was like we bought it and we were like we were standing in the middle of it and we were like we love it let's put an offer in and i was literally standing on my phone on the property and told 
our realtor to start making the paperwork up. We're going to put an offer in. Well, that was in 2020, the summer of 2020. It was not until the spring of 2021 that we were walking around and we realized that there was a barn on the property. <laughs> That's how much growth there was. Now, it's not the actual building is no longer standing. Yeah. But there was a foundation and a silo foundation. Uh-huh. And Couldn't even see the silo. Because of all of the 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 blackberries and the raspberry. I mean, it was just, it's really pretty overgrown. Really up, yeah. So we could see that. So anyways, um, we were walking around making some plans, trying to decide what our focus is going to be. And my temporary fencing that I had put up, which I knew at the time was temporary, around the orchard has gotten fallen down and i have had some deer pressure on one of my apple trees Mm. so that definitely is going to be priority this spring is putting in a real fence yeah yeah i mean have you just okay Uh, i mean have you considered just making just taking pieces of fence and just circling those trees and just protecting the trees individually or that's might be what i do this weekend yeah that might be easier and and, and less expensive and yeah um um but as just they get, grow, they're going to need more than that. Yeah, just get some two by four fence wire, you know, fencing there, and just kind of make a make a loop that's in a fence post to hold it yeah. down to keep it from rocking around or anything. And yeah, that's what we're going to have to do temporarily. But as they grow, we won't be able to do that. So it's like, well, time to put the save my pennies for that's my big expenditure. I think this yeah. spring. Yeah, fencing the is money. gets a little. Yeah, it can get expensive for sure. Yes, yes, it can. So that's oh. my, that was my weekend was that. It was a nice little walk. It was pretty muddy since a lot of, we had probably about 24 to 30 inches of snow and it all melted. Oh, so really? It was, quite, it was quite the, yeah, it was pretty moist walk and muddy yeah. in some of the spots. So, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, sounds like you've been staying uh, somewhat busy then. <laughs> The tax stuff will keep you busy if nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's pretty boring. It's a blessing to work on that new homestead, though, start making some things happen out there. I mean, that's got to be exciting every time you guys go out there and start making plans and uh, taking on little tasks. And yeah, for sure. And I'm trying to decide which direction to go with the garden we have here and how much, you know, we want to do here and move out there. And it's just kind of, it's, we're really kind of at a, what do you call it? I don't know. Crossroads. We're not sure what to do. And right. we don't know the timeline. We have no idea the timeline. It could be 10 years from now. It could be next year. Who knows? Well, I know uh, you have uh, talked about you'd love to get back into at least small livestock, if not large yes. livestock at one time at some point. And um, today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, you know, kind of being a little more self-sufficient with the feed for especially small livestock. And we're going to talk about that in the form of actually raising growing insects for your livestock feed. Now, uh, I think that's a great idea for a lot of livestock. Um, it can save you a ton of money. It can uh, it can actually provide for a healthier livestock. But what we're not going to talk about is unnatural diets because there is this movement, you know, of there's a movement on a couple levels. There's a movement of trying to force people to eat bugs, which we're dead against. I mean, if you want to eat bugs, you should be free to do that. And that's fine. I know there's a lot of people who say it's a good protein protein source and they make use of the flowers and the things that are actually like a, a an insect meal. And that's fine. You should be free to do that, of course. But there's also this movement to force people to eat insects. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about raising insects for you to consume. There's also this big movement about for like feeding like large livestock, like cattle, uh, ground up insect meal, and which is a completely unnatural diet for them. And we're not talking about that either um, because I just don't feel like that's a good place to go with your cattle. I mean, these are animals that are meant to graze and eat grass. And that's why I don't even, I'm not even for them living off grain like so many of them do. Um, they're meant to, to graze. And, uh, but, on the flip side of that, small livestock, like some of the animals we're going to talk about today, insects are a huge part of their diet. I mean, right, yeah. in a natural forage situation, 
they're going to eat every insect they can because they love it and it's very healthy for them. And you, we as homesteaders can actually supplement that diet ourselves and raise the insects. I mean, so many people buy like mealworms and things and feed them to their chickens. But have you priced a bag of mealworms lately? Not lately. When I had uh, chickens, I, I, I had bought some <laughs> for mine. But yeah. I was that real king yesterday. A five pound bag of mealworms was like 30 bucks. That's crazy. And I was thinking, wow, that's that's a lot of money because that ain't a real big bag of mealworms. Well, not and I'm really. gonna guess they're not selling a lot of them at that price, but maybe I'm wrong. People love their chickens. You know, you got these chicken people who it's their pet, you know. And I mean, there's people that love their dog so much they buy a, you know, over a hundred dollar bag of dog food, you true, know, hot. So I mean, there's people feel that way about their chickens and they'll go buy stuff like that. But you know, so what were basically some of the animals that can eat. See, yeah. So you're not talking about chocolate covered crickets or anything? I'm not. I'm not a bit interested in those, but <laughs> you can snack on those while we podcast. I don't mind. <laughs> but if one of them scratchy little legs get caught in your throat, uh, I hope somebody's close. They can <laughs> come in there and help you out. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and I'm not like I said, people it, all over the world, there are insects consumed by people. Oh, yeah. And, and it, you know, it's some in some parts of the world, it's, it's actually a major part of their diet. And, and and that's cool. It's fine. But there does seem to be this movement. I've heard you hear a lot about it where oh, it's yeah. like they're really pushing um, because of the low impact, you know, on the environment yeah. and these things. And it's like, man, I just don't buy into all that personally. And um, you teach their own. You want to you want to yeah. go down that route, you go. But I'm not for people forcing me to do anything, especially eat insects. So um, I'm sure there are some health benefits to it and I'm not opposed to anybody doing it, but as long as, rather, as long as I can buy some hamburger or some chicken, yeah. I'm eating that. I think yeah. I would rather eat my crickets through my chicken eggs or my chicken wings. Yeah. I'll let them process them into something right. and then I'll eat them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but some of the animals that can eat insects, that is a major part of their diet, and you can um, you can grow insects for them. Chickens, of course, we've already mentioned that a few times. Chickens, there is no such thing as a vegetarian chicken. And anybody that would try to tell you that is crazy because I guarantee you, if a moth flies in front of that chicken, it's going to attack it. <laughs> anything, yeah. fly a fly, anything goes in front of them. They're going to attack it. If they see a mouse, they're going to tear into it. I mean, they just, oh, they, yeah. they're going to eat meat uh, and they love insects. They love them. And uh, it's a major part of their diet. When you've got free range chickens, I guarantee you they're eating every insect they see and they can see, oh. a, they can see pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, I know people on our list, we have ducks. I mean, I know people that got ducks just solely for the purpose of eating slugs out of their garden. Yep. Slugs, snails, things <laughs> like that. Yeah. They'll, they'll tear into them and uh, yeah, they love them, but they'll eat other things too. They'll eat worms and they'll eat, you know, all kinds of stuff. We can talk about that. I mean, ducks have a more diverse diet than you think. I mean, they're, they will actually eat a lot of different bugs. I mean, you don't mm -hmm. think with their bill, the way their, their uh, beak is or bill is that they would. But they do. They eat a lot of those things. They yeah. they really like insects. Uh, turkeys, of course, is another large bird. It, it will tear into any insect it can find. My quail love insects. They will chase them around. I mean, I get them in the tractor and I'll see some bug flying around in there, and they're all they look like a it look like a um, a herd of dinosaurs running after something. <laughs> I mean, they just all shoot to the other end of the tractor chasing a bug. You know, it's hilarious. But yeah, they they love it. Um, pheasant, of course. I mean, you're in the same vein of of of, of a yeah. game bird you know, like turkeys and quail. Um, fish. they love it. But then there's you know, fish is a livestock for a lot of people. You know, and I think about it from aquaponics, and um, you can actually go pretty large scale on that. And make fish a major part of your farming. You know, you can farm catfish and bluegill and all these predator fish that love insects. You know, there's all kinds of things, grasshoppers, crickets, um, which we'll talk all about all these things. Worms, of course, yeah, that I mean, fish you go to the love. store to buy when you go to go fishing. Yeah. You I buy, mean, you're yeah. buying insects. There's, to, whole, there's whole, there's people that make flies just for fly fishing, yep. which emulate flies yeah so, yeah exactly yeah. and and just all the different worms and i mean i've bought crickets and to go fishing and you know i've bought all these things you know so yeah fish are a big part now these are all the smaller livestock of course now right. there is 
you actually in the show notes you included a a, a, a link to a study about pigs eating insects yeah, that you can feed yeah, pigs and I mean, absolutely it's not small livestock necessarily it can be i guess if you're dealing with like pot bellies or coon coons or something but um they can eat it and it, it is natural in their diet when they're rooting through the ground they come across a oh, grub right. or something or an earthworm they're going to eat yeah. it they they don't they don't discriminate they'll tear into it uh, but i don't know about how much of their diet you want to actually produce um insects to feed them and like fill up a bowl for them to eat it or whatever i don't i think they, that can get questionable with pigs i mean how much of that you're feeding them but yeah. i mean it won't hurt them necessarily for a certain amount but there'll probably be a level there where it starts crossing yeah, the line yeah, with a pig like as a supplement to their diet i mean pigs yeah, yeah. eat a lot like we do i mean unlike a lot of birds where they'll eat a lot right. of grains and stuff pigs are a lot you know they they're omnivores so yeah, they have a very diverse diet yeah a varying diet so you could feed them some but so does a chicken i mean they're eating vegetation yep. yeah. and stuff too and they're eating yep. the bugs i mean i don't know that with anything i mean diversity is important and i just don't think with any of these animals you'd want to just say raise mealworms and feed them 100 of a mealworm diet or anything I, I that's a bad idea um i think just uh, having a a varied diet of all kinds of vegetation and insects and whatever you know just different plants and all kinds of things um is a good idea you know when you can do that so um yeah i mean food scraps can be a big part of that um you know just all kinds milk, of vegetation so milk, all that kind of stuff yeah yeah you want you want some diversity there so but it, it's an interesting thing to think about when it comes to feeding something like pigs um when you get into your ruminants no i don't think it's a good idea and i think there's talk about it there's talk about you know like i said grinding up these insects yeah. and making an insect meal and feeding it to you know goats sheep cattle and i'm like that's just a bad idea i think you know in my opinion but um yeah i think you're just replacing yeah one ideology for another one those are ruminants that are supposed to be eating right. they're created to do a certain yeah. thing and you're taking them out of their natural way how's joel south and uh, put it you know uh, the, the cowness of a cow or the you know yeah, the, the whatever thickness of a pig, of a pig yeah. and, and you're removing that from a from a cow if you start to feed them in a natural diet you know they're not getting yeah. to be the cow they're meant to be um so yeah i think it's just a bad idea but so that's not what we're talking about we are talking about you know i just think it's important that we start looking at these ways that we can feed sure. our livestock in a more self-sufficient manner uh, because feed prices are going way up. I mean, I just mentioned how much a bag of mealworms is and yeah. that's, that's crazy, you know, but even just when you're buying the, the feed for them, it's Chicken going way up in price yeah. and it's getting harder to find sometimes in some places. And, um, and if you want organic or non-GMO, yeah, that's like even more expensive. And yeah. the cool thing about these, I mean, outside of the pigs mentioned all of these animals, I mean, turkeys might be questionable, but all of these animals you can have on a fairly small homestead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. And this is a food that you can create in pretty good volumes on a pretty small homestead. Um, they're just, I mean, a lot of times it's, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the kind of the process. I'm not going into a lot of detail on the processes of some of these insects we're going to talk about today. But, I mean, most of them are done in like totes and things you know to, to right, yep. and you're and you can get pretty large numbers of them in a pretty small space yes. um so i mean you can actually generate a lot of food for your animals in, in small spaces so uh yeah and i think i mentioned it a couple times so we'll jump right into this first one uh that we're going to talk about and that's mealworms mealworms pretty much everybody that has chickens has bought a bag of mealworms at some point and fed them to their birds and they love them it's candy to them oh, they go yeah. crazy for for those dried mealworms that you get at the feed store um you my said husband your husband to, yeah actually actually you're yeah as a kid raised them yeah um they had my husband was raised on like a little i guess you would call it a hobby farm i don't know they they used they did it to save money though so i don't know if it was really a hobby but they had they had sheeps and goats and birds and he, they used to raise their own mealworms. Mm -hmm. for, like in large volume um, or how they... Um, in a pretty large volume because they also raised mm -hmm. caged birds, like songbirds. Yeah. They raised yeah. those to sell. And so they would feed them to those those birds, but they would also feed them to their chickens and turkeys and stuff. So yeah. they, they had them in a fairly large volume. 
Yeah. Well, if people don't know what a mealworm is, it's actually the larva of a darkling beetle. Um, so you're starting with the beetles, of course, to get started right. into it. And one of the benefits with any larva, really, I mean, you're going to see this in a minute with a, with a couple of the others too, but it's really high protein. Mm-hmm. They have a really high protein, I mean, like around 50% or over uh, in some cases of protein. And in, in the, so it's a, it's really good for energy, you know, in the wintertime, right. uh, especially birds, they need a lot more uh, protein in the wintertime. It really helps them. Your game birds like quail and, and turkey and pheasant, they, they, they're high protein birds. They really need that high protein. So it's a great feed for them on those high protein levels. So um, yeah, they're great for that. Uh, I did link up uh, because it's going to be really hard to describe the process yeah. of, um, really doing this. I actually seen a person one time in a video and they had like one of these, um, uh, there's plastic, uh, it's almost like a plastic dresser, like for, uh, yes, like, that's how we, okay. Yeah. And it has the yeah. door drawers that you'd pull out and they had them on the different levels. They would have like the stuff in there. They'd have like the, you know, they would move the drawers down as they would progress yes. and then start new batches at the top and, and they would do it like that. Or they, I've seen people just do them in totes and they'll make like a lid or whatever, a screen lid or whatever, and put them in there some different ways. Uh, I linked to a blog post on some pretty good detail and a video also on how to start a mealworm farm. Um, you know, how to do it. And there's a few ways to do it. And there's people who do it every day that are really, really good at it. So I just kind of refer you to them, but it's not hard. There are a lot of people who do it and I've watched a lot of videos on it and it's not hard. Uh, it's really, it just happens, you know, and now where do you start at? Well, you can purchase the Beatles. Um, I found some sellers on Etsy. I found some on Amazon. I put links in the show notes. You can go check those out. They're not even that expensive, really. I mean, you know, you're starting off with a batch of like 25 beetles or something. I mean, they're not a big batch, but, um, you know, so you probably have to expand beyond that. But, uh, yeah, they're, I mean, it's a few dollars, but I think, I think it's a worthwhile venture to go to get started in because a five pound bag of mealworms is 30 bucks. I mean, let's just think about that for a minute. That's crazy. And, and, if you can spend less than that to start get your beetles and you're throwing some scrap feed in there for them and 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 it just doesn't right. cost a lot once you get started raising them to keep them going. I mean it's really yeah. almost nothing. Um well, you can, if you combine it with everything else that we've talked about possibly doing, it yeah. becomes this well-rounded feed yeah. that you can save money on and have uh, have birds. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, just just for example, I mean, chickens. We're just gonna, let's just narrow it down to chickens or even quail, but let's just say chickens because that's what most it's the it's the starter bird for most people. Um, I mean, so you're you're foraging, you know, the dandelions and the plantain and the country and all the things that are in your yard. You're throwing them the scrap tops of all the vegetables that you're chopping up and put canning, and you're throwing those to them. You got some food scraps you're tossing to them. You're right. you're raising mealworms and a few of these other things we're going to talk about today. You know what? You could probably come real close to providing a hundred percent of the feed for your birds, yeah, with not a lot of effort. Um, that's that's quite an accomplishment. You're talking about free eggs and free meat when you do that, right? And I mean, and you and I before we started the podcast, we're talking about the price of eggs right now. Yeah, yeah, it's so, crazy, I mean, and and it's the price and the availability of yeah. eggs. And, and do you, you give up time? Yes. Yeah, but, there's a little bit of time involved in it. Yeah, but it's it's there's a trade off there, of course. Um, but I I mean, when you consider what things are costing, how how much is your time worth, and the cost, and I mean, a lot of us get into homesteading because we're willing to give we're we're willing to trade our time for you know, healthier food and, and this sense of self-sufficiency and independence from our food in our food system. Um, and you know what, this is healthy food for your, for your birds, your animals. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, you're going to get a higher quality egg. You're going to get a higher quality meat. 
because you're you know what you're giving them and it's it's pure food i mean it's the stuff that they eat in nature i mean it's something they're meant to digest and and they're going to produce a, a good product for you when you feed them you know, like I said, it's not 100% of your diet, but I mean, it can right. definitely be a, a pretty large percentage. I would say 10 to 20% easy uh, in in this, uh, of this kind of food. And yeah, I mean, it's just very good. So check, if it's something you're interested in, check out that, that blog post I linked to. Uh, check out the video. You'll find all kinds of videos and blog posts out there on them. I picked what I thought yeah. were a couple of good ones that made it look simple and you can get started there. Um, but yeah. I think it's definitely something worth doing. And it's something, quite honestly, mealworms are probably something I'm going to. Um, yeah, I'm actually thinking, you know, even if you don't have chickens right now, which we're probably going to maybe be getting them again. But, yeah, we're going to talk about later other things that you can do with some of these. I, I say this, but, you know, I actually did it once. I did it for about a month. I did one round of them. Did you like really? Six years ago. Yeah. It wasn't hard, but it again, time and I was busy at the time. I was working 70 plus hours a week yeah, at my you job. Were working more than you and were and it was hard just to it was just one more thing on my list. So I gave them up. And it was pretty easy. And I did actually do it. Well, I'm why I mentioned the drawer thing is because I actually had that's what I did it in. And so uh, when I was looking was into easy. doing it, yeah. that's what I was gonna do was the drawer method. But, but most of the actual videos I found were doing it in a tote. Uh, yeah. and they made it look really easy also. So, yeah. Yep. The next thing we'll talk about is a black soldier fly larva. And I was pretty turned off about this at one point because I had seen some people doing it, but while doing some research for this episode, it, I see alternative ways to do it. That isn't as nasty as what I saw before. Okay, a lot of the people good. were doing because it I was before for the same reason. I yeah. Think. And I, and yeah, because they were taking meat. Yes. And hanging it and letting the larva like crawl out of a, you know, they were, they had this little setup and it was basically rotting carcasses is what they were using. Yeah. And I'm like, if that's what it takes, I'm not going to have to, I'm not, I don't want to go near my, you know, animals and have to smell that, you know? And, and, uh, for me, it was, I also didn't want to attract predators. Yes, exactly. I mean, you're going to get possums and raccoons and all kinds of stuff coming in for that. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not interested. You know, I mean, it looked neat. It looked like a a legitimate food source for them, but, um, and it was feeding and it it was kind of a natural food source too, that they weren't even having to do. They hung it and they put this little setup with a milk jug or whatever. And, and because the natural tendency of black soldier fly larvae is to climb up as they grow. And they would actually fall off right off the end and right down into the chicken coop the way they had this design. Well, I've seen these setups now after doing a little bit more study, doing it in totes. And they actually had a tote where they were uh, and they were using feed. They were using like uh, cornmeal. Interesting. And, and they were okay. and they were. Uh, and, and I guess the thing is, with um, according to what I was reading, is that the black soldier fly actually don't lay the eggs in the food source, but near the food source. So they would have like sand, like these things of sand or whatever laying next to it. And they would actually lay the eggs there. They would climb over to the food source. They would eat. And then they would have these boards up out of the tote. They would basically crawl up the boards as they age because that's their natural thing. What they do, they crawl up and then they fall over into another tote. Well, then they just take them out of that tote and feed them to their livestock. And it looks so easy and simple. I was like, I'm remembering wow. this Nick Ferguson, actually, I will have to find that video. He made a video on using uh, bugs for his growing bugs for your animals. And I think he had a couple of videos in his of that method as well. Yeah, I found you I did find a you could what? You grow could the, even grow the cornmeal. Yeah, you could. And there were some different things. There was one of them was actually using feed, like leftover, like some feed that got wet and put that in there. And I mean, I, I linked to some right. blog post, a little blog post and a video on this as well that you can go check out. And, um, or just a blog post rather, I think on this one, but there, there, there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of blog posts on, uh, on using black soldier fly lar- larva and, and, and farming it basically for your animals. And like I said, just find a method that works for you. I was turned off of it a few years ago because I've seen some, Same. basically some methods I didn't want to partake in, but these look simple. Now, uh, black soldier flies are pretty common to most of the United States, but I guess they're more common in the Southern States. So I don't even know if you have black soldier flies in Michigan. I don't know if we do or not. I don't know. Uh, and I, I guess it is harder to 
get them to naturally come in and 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 you know lay their eggs in some parts of the country than in other parts of the country. But I did, and I actually came across a. I think it was a video. Yeah, it was a video I came across, and this guy couldn't do it, but he brought. He actually purchased the larva, okay, and basically started doing it himself. You know, from that, and I did put the link. I did put a link in where you can purchase a black soldier fly larva if you have to do that. If it you can't get them to kind of come in naturally, I mean, obviously, if you can get them to come in naturally, that's way better. I mean, it's cheaper and it's going to be a simpler process for you. But I thought even that would be an option for some people and you could just kind of get the production going, you know, there. Um, One of the things I noticed when I was reading about black soldier flies is that they have a really high level of calcium. So yeah, I read that too. Like yeah, protein and calcium. Or the yeah, chickens yeah. for you know constantly trying to give them enough yep. for their eggs. And absolutely, I mean that's just a great additional thing besides the protein. Is yep. some of these um, bugs have a lot of minerals in them too that help your animals. Yep, absolutely. So those are a couple good ones. Those are a couple common ones too. I mean, a lot of people talk about those two things: mealworms and black soldier flies, and. Literally everything on our list could eat both all that. I mean, everything, all the animals that we mentioned could probably eat all that to some percentage of it at their feed. Um, now, moving on to a little bit different kind of animal, we're going to talk about crickets. I think crickets are one of the ones that we see the most that um, people are turning into flour <clears throat> for human use. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to um, go there. <laughs> but um, those, I actually have heard of people growing crickets and we actually considered growing crickets ourselves um one of the things that turned us off to growing crickets was we'd heard about some of the smells but apparently that's not actually the cricket and that's more of a hygiene issue yeah keeping things set up clean yeah yeah Yeah, i heard that i read that too but um yeah those seem like i mean i don't know if you've ever had chickens watching them chase uh, crickets and grasshoppers that's they love them and they you know what i used to buy crickets for fishing all the time i used to have oh, a little yeah. the little cage you know that you take fishing with you and you buy a bunch of crickets and throw them in there from the bait shop and go fishing with crickets so it's a great fish food as well i mean it's just you know and so i mean i would look at the bait shop and then obviously somebody's growing these somebody's farming these crickets yeah, right so exactly. it makes you think where are yep. these coming from well uh, again i linked to some videos on how to breed and raise crickets pretty simple uh like you said though there are some issues with keeping things clean yeah, because evidently there is a smell issue if you don't like well, i don't yeah. know what the deal is exactly like it's dead crickets and it's the the feces and just all the things the, the, right. the food that they're eating and whatnot but so there is some maintenance issues with raising crickets that are probably more serious than some other insects you know as far as keeping that things clean also creates a cycle for you to use that that in your compost because yep absolutely that creates fertility i mean bugs poop just like animals poop and all of that creates fertility in your yard yeah so yep i actually found this website called the critter depot and the the video i actually linked to is a video they did on basically doing it yourself and they sell the crickets you can also buy them on amazon i got a link in there as well for that if you want to go get them there but they have a lot of information at that that critter depot and i was pretty impressed by i mean they sell the different size crickets and you think okay well what's the deal there well there's certain once they get to a certain size is when they actually start laying eggs so um, but then you can buy them younger and get a lot more of them for the same price and just raise them up and right. go on there but you kind of order by the the length so it's like quarter inch where you're more baby ones. So there you get a lot more of them, but like once you get about five eights and up, that's when they start getting into the breeding age or laying egg okay. where they lay eggs. So uh, I remember the guy in one of the videos says five eights. If you're looking for something's going to like start laying eggs right away, probably order like five eights inch crickets. But he was starting He was, in the video. He's got quarter inch crickets, you know, and he's got this, I don't know, hundreds of them. He's wow. putting in this tote and, um, and he shows you how to set the toad up and how to do everything. And it just looked really simple. And I was like, wow, he made that look really, really easy. And he came back and showed, you know, the progression and things. And I thought, well, that don't look hard at all, you know. And now I, I look at like crickets and grasshoppers that we're going to talk about here in a minute. And there's so many of those around here. I'm thinking, man, I could just go out and kind of harvest those things in nature. We got so many of them. I mean, there's so many. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can buy them and, and keep them you know, right there and, and, you know, just 
to have this turnover where you're not actually having to go out and chase them down to get a bunch, but rather they're they're right there on your property right. and you just go get, you know, a pail full of them or whatever and feed your feed your animals. And again, I almost think it'd be cool to not just focus on any one of these, but maybe two or three of these options here. We're going to talk about like a few, that. but if you could get two or three or four of these things going that right. work for your time schedule and, you know, the way you'd want to do it. Man, again, diversity, you know, you got different insects even are going to have different uh, nutrient profiles yeah. that are going to get, you know, just for different needs for your animals. So, yeah, get two or three different ones going. But crickets seem like a very viable option for your livestock or for Rachel to eat in her uh, cricket meal that she's chocolate covered chocolate covered crickets or whatever she wants to sure. Sure. <laughs> not me I, i'll I, it's a last resort for me i'm not saying like i'd never do it too, but, but uh yeah last resort draw, yeah <laughs> what brings us to the next thing which is similar to crickets is grasshoppers and locusts now surprisingly i found when i've when i think about uh, eating insects. I mean, you know, you read a Bible and you hear about it being a food source for people of the past. Of course, it's just, you know, you know, locusts, right? And, and what I, you discover is that locusts, grasshoppers are called locusts in a lot of the world. So we think of it a little different here because we have the different locusts. But um, when I'm saying grasshoppers and locusts, I think a lot, when I did find a few videos and blog posts about it, they were actually talking about grasshoppers when they referred to locusts. Okay. So evidently it's just referred to as locusts in yeah. a lot of the world, but it was actually surprisingly hard to find a lot of information about people raising uh, those for, um, for feed. But what you do find is uh, really on all of these is not so much for like livestock, but for like reptiles, people who are raising reptiles, yeah. like bearded dragons yeah. and yep. things like that and, and, and whatever, they're grow they're raising them on a smaller scale just to have some of those to feed their their um the reptiles and things. So you see a lot of that, even on some fish and things like that. So any of you do find they're really on a really small scale. But in my mind, though, I was thinking they look pretty easy to scale up. I mean, just more bins or whatever, you know, uh to do it in a larger scale. Um but actually, grasshoppers and locusts looked easier than crickets. Um, really, I think literally have the bad rap because when people when you have grasshopper and locust issues, they like will an infestation. Their- like if they got out, yeah. yeah, they could do. If you got they like might a bunch have a of bad them, rap, and that's why you don't see as much yeah. information, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. The people I seen doing it were they were like in aquariums, you know, raising them with like a screen top. Okay, I guess yeah. it could keep. And they were all indoors, you know, like in a basement or something like that. They had a setup, you know, but they were doing it for their their reptiles. Everyone I saw, I don't know, you could easily transfer that into a more homestead style setup, um, something right. that would work for your homestead. Um, but yeah, another very viable option. Absolutely edible. If you've ever seen a chase a chicken chasing a grasshopper, it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they will go after them and they'll take off flying and the birds will full blast run after them. And then, you know, the grasshopper will land and the, you know, the the chicken will do a 180 and spin around sideways and go forward. I mean, it's just oh, hilarious yeah. to watch them chase them. It's just entertain. It's pure entertainment. It's very entertaining. <laughs> but they're, they're, again, I posted a video on how to make a bin for breeding grasshoppers. But I honestly, I think I'm going to have to maybe do it just to get a design down and just so I can actually write a blog post on it. It seemed like there's not a lot of information out there on it. And I'm actually curious now is a better setup for a home style, a homestead style, you know, yeah. uh, production. So I might do it this spring just to kind of big and meaty too. And yeah. They're, they're large. I mean, so you're going to get a lot of food for a pretty small yeah. number of grasshoppers um, for your, for your livestock. And I thought, well, that seems like a, even a better option than crickets in my mind. It looked like actually, right. it looked like they were actually easier. Um, I wonder if they have the smell issue too. I They didn't talk about it in the videos. One guy had, he had a wall full of aquariums, full of them. And oh, um, wow. yeah, he had hundreds of them. And I, I don't know, it, it wasn't mentioned, but yeah, you, they. but every article I read on the crickets mentioned it. <laughs> so it must be a real issue with the crickets. Um, but yeah, there's those in kinds of insects. That takes us to one that everybody knows about, but maybe you didn't think about raising them for your livestock, and that's earthworms. 
you know, we talk a lot about vermicomposting and using like composting worms. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. You could do it with your vermicomposting worms, but I feel like they have more value as a composting worm, like your red worms and things. But if you have an abundance of them, absolutely. You can toss a handful of them to your livestock. They will love them. They will eat yeah, them up. I feel like it's just a great place to start because earthworms are so great for your garden anyways. Yeah. So it's like that double purpose, multi-purpose yeah. bin that you could use. And honestly, I mean, you're, you look at people who do farming that sell them for bait and things, and, and it looks, it's a simple setup. I always see the, the bedding that they use with like newspaper and, you know, right. the, and whatever they have those full. And so, I mean, it doesn't look difficult. I, I linked to some some a video and some information about farming earthworms and their their uh, nutrient nutrition profile. Very nutritious. I was surprised. I was looking at that nutrition profile oh, yeah. and I was surprised at the nutrition, all the the diversity of of nutrients and and whatnot for and calories and and all that. It, it's kind of amazing. I was surprised that earthworms had that kind of uh, nutrition. Um, very nutritious. So well, I've seen my chickens would fight over them. And I, <laughs> it was, you know, if you've ever had chickens in a garden together, um, the chickens would see me grab the shovel and they would be right on me. Yeah, they knew if I they had know. a shovel out, they were going to find a worm. You're going to turn that dirt over and they're going to go oh, crazy. Yeah. Or if you're, or if you're doing it with compost, like I've seen them in compost oh, and yeah. you like stick it in the compost, flip that compost over and they just start tearing into it and grabbing everything. Oh, yeah. Man. And they will fight over them. Mm -hmm. They love them. Yep. But yeah, there's not a lot of people who are, a lot of people are doing composting worms, but not a lot of people are doing earthworms. I guess, yeah. you know, I've always, you know, like when we go ready to go fishing, I mean, here was the thing all growing up. This is what my dad did. Like if it was, you know, either a rainy day or we go out with a water hose and spray the lawn down right at dark, right before dark, soon as that sun drops, grab your flashlight, go out there yep. and we'd fill it. We'd fill a bucket full of them, you know, for fishing. Cause we were going to go fishing the next day. You could do that or you can purchase them. I mean, they're out there for sale. You can buy some and start them. I, I honestly, I would just go get them out of my yard and then get them focused into a bed that I've made for them. You could probably use an old bathtub or build you a bed for them. Or, I mean, it just uh, use totes, whatever. I did link to a video of a guy doing the Canadian night crawlers and he just used totes and he showed you how to layer the stuff for them and get them set up and super easy. He was doing it so he'd have bait for fishing. You know, but yeah. absolutely, you could do it on a larger scale for feed for your animals. Yeah, you could. And like I said, after after reading that article that I read on the nutrition profile of them, it's it's definitely a definitely a worthwhile insect to think about um, for for feeding your livestock. Uh, one I hadn't thought much about uh, because yeah, I, I just didn't, didn't know how valuable it was as a feed was silkworms. Uh, I, I have never heard of that. For but it, I found a lot of articles on it, actually, of huh. people feeding them, using them for their. Again, it's pretty common for reptiles, but I did find some articles even feeding really? them for like chickens and things. Silkworms is really big in the reptile realm, I guess, you know, for feeding them. I guess it's a, it's a high quality feed for them because they have a lot of the nutrition that they need. There are some allergy, potential allergy issues because they produce silk. I guess there's some people with that. There's some potential allergy issues for some people. So be aware of that. If you're going to go into the silkworms, but what do, what do silkworms love to eat? Or what is their number one crop for feeding mulberry, trees. mulberry leaves? Well, we're big on mulberry leaves around here. Yeah. So if it's something you already like have on your homestead. Circle. Yeah. If it, yeah. You, you're producing the feed to feed the silkworms to grow the silkworms, to feed your chickens or whatever. That's um, that's yeah, wild. you could completely produce this on your property and you're thinking, well, how do I get started with, uh, with silkworms and well, you can buy them. You can buy the starts to get going with silkworms and you'll find them on Etsy, Amazon and some places that sell them and, uh, get, yeah, get started absolutely with some silkworms on your property. I, oh, I looked yeah. at that and I went, okay, I didn't know that. Maybe that's something I really need to pursue because I have an abundance of mulberry leaves, you know, every year. Uh, maybe, maybe this is something I, need, I really need to look into. Now, the video I linked to, they actually bought, they didn't use leaves. They wasn't using mulberry leaves. They actually was buying this feed for silkworms. 
But then I actually seen this comparison video on this this feed that they were talking about versus mulberry leaves. And so um they're not their natural food is mulberry leaves. Uh so but I guess they make some some feed mixes for for silkworms um that you can feed them. So anyway, you can go down that uh, rabbit hole if you want <laughs> and see where that takes you. But Again, uh, it's you, something that I have to think about because it's something that we have the feed for here on this on this homestead. So I'm seeing your next one, and I'm <laughs> thinking to myself, so the video that I'll place it in the show notes for people to watch later, but Nicholas Ferguson actually raises these, and I interviewed him a while back, but cockroaches. Yeah, that's a big no for me. Uh, me too. I'm no not way. bringing cockroaches onto my property. <laughs> no way. Uh, if one shows up, I'm going to annihilate it as fast as I can. I want nothing to do with cockroaches on my property. Yep. But it's out there. It's a thing. People are feeding them to their livestock and they're farming them. And, and that's a big bug. It's again, it's also big in the in the reptile industry. So I guess it's a favorite bug for reptiles. So that's why a lot of people are doing it. I want personally nothing to do with it, Uh -uh. but if you're interested in farming cockroaches, I'm including a video uh, in, in the, uh, the show notes that makes it look, um, I know as a, as something realistic. I mean, they're doing it in a toe that's covered. That's, you know, I mean, they're, and they're producing hundreds of them, you know, Uh, yeah. The idea Nick of a hundreds of cockroaches in yeah, his bedroom I, closet. Yeah, and it's just like nah, uh-uh. it's a game. I'm not going to play. You're not going to play. <laughs> you want to do it? Have at it. I mean, again, it is a viable feed source for your animals. It is has tight nutrition levels. Tight lid required. <laughs> yeah, very tight lid. One of those I, clamp down lids, man. There's I, no way. No. Maybe if I have like a hundred acres and I have to drive to the other end of my property <laughs> to where I keep the cockroach bin to feed my chickens that are in that area, maybe, but not on this little urban homestead. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> I have been in hotels and stuff with them. No. Oh uh, man, I'm just uh yeah, it's not it's not something, but I, I just wanted to put it out there because in right. the world, it's a thing, you know, it's a feed source. Yeah. And yeah. I guess if all feed disappeared, I might be looking for any options for feeding my livestock. True. And in that case, I mean, in case of a nuclear holocaust, we've always heard <laughs> cockroaches are going to be the thing that are surviving. So feed them to the chickens that survived and eat your radioactive chicken. I, I don't know. But um, I guess is they're probably super easy to breed because we yeah, know how I'm, hard I'm thinking they are to kill. it takes nothing to get them to produce <laughs> um, for you. But uh, again, I included it because it's a thing. It, there's people it out there is, doing it. it. And uh, I'd have to be like you, pretty desperate to go down that path. But um, yeah. maybe just I mean, Nick does it, and uh, good for Nick. Good for Nick. Good for I, Nick. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and you know his wife is the saint because in the yeah, bedroom oh, closet, man. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I just it's not it's not something I'm. I'm getting a little bit weird feeling just talking about. It. I don't want to think I about don't. it, but it's a thing. I think I think I would rather eat crickets than raise cockroaches. I, I would eat everything on this list in abundance before I would eat one cockroach. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, there you have it. So well, anyway, anyway uh, we're going to move on to now. This is now we talked a lot about feeding your livestock, yeah. but I I feel like we also have to talk about this a little bit. This next thing, and that's these things as an income opportunity. Because as I'm doing this research, yeah. what I'm finding is there's an opportunity here. Because yeah. um, there's a lot of people who aren't going to do this. Right. But they'll buy those mealworms. They'll buy those soldier fly larvae. They'll buy those crickets. Right. They'll buy all this stuff. They'll buy it. And now your customer base um, is a, a couple, few different things. There you can you can sell the insects for feed to people who don't want to mess with it. I mean, go down to the feed store. Your your real king or your TSC or whatever, and watch how many people spend thirty dollars on a bag of mealworms. Right. Uh, these are your customers. You can sell them for twenty dollars a bag and make a lot of money. You know what right. I'm saying? Um, so there's an opportunity there, and it's not just homesteaders. I mean, there's people who have reptiles and rodents and fish 
you know, that they eat these things. And so there's a customer base there that, you know, it's again, I'm thinking when we think about things you could do to bring income on your homestead that you could raise, uh, you can have an urban homestead and make a really healthy income raising things like this for people with way bigger homesteads than yours and, and sell it to them. Um, it's a, it's a possible income source for you. You can also sell breeding stock for people who are wanting to get into this. Now I was telling you, I was seeing Amazon link and Etsy links for people who are selling. These are just individuals who are selling a starter kit basically to get started with mealworms or to get started with uh, a black soldier flies or whatever. And, you know, you, you could do that. It's it's the equivalent of selling seedlings and cuttings. Yeah, and and or selling yeah. like uh you know um fertil- fertilized eggs yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. People who just want to get started, and there's a there's a need for that. And I some of those and things I didn't find a lot of links for, like yeah. silkworms. It was hard to find. You know, like some people who were selling those. You might I only found a couple. Uh, even on the the um. I, mean, I did find more of the the mealworm starts. Those were a little bit more a little bit more available. Uh, crickets were a little bit. I found some, but I, you know, like I said, I had to dig a little bit. I didn't find any for grasshoppers, so I don't know if there's a thing there or not. I mean, I'm just saying there's some opportunities there. You can you can start doing the cockroaches, Rachel, and you can supply those for people. Um, I'm sure, <laughs> and it's also a one way to never get people to come visit your house. That's right. You don't like people. You want to keep them away. Yeah, just start you a little uh, cockroach farm. <laughs> oh, but the one we all know about is a bait shop. I mean, if you you can, I mean, you could do the worms and the crickets and, and you know these pet are stores. fish baits. Yeah, or just applying for pet for pet stores. stores. Yeah. So there's some different customer options there for doing these yeah. things, and and you know I think it's something that especially folks on a smaller homestead who who aren't selling you know pork and chicken and you know beef yeah. and things this is an option where i think really you could viable. i think you could make a lot of money doing this I'm, and i'm kind of starting to consider you know i mean yeah. we're all looking for ways to be home more instead of at work yeah and- hey if i could sell a five pounds of of mealworms for even 20 bucks i mean Wow. I mean, what now you right. do the math and see what it takes to produce that right. kind of, I, I don't know. I'm not real sure. I mean, I did it on a really small scale for like one month, one time. I don't know. I, it did pretty good. I mean, I had a, a few of them, fed them to my quail, worked great. And then I just didn't continue on. I kind of let things go and I didn't, I didn't push it, but I don't know what's it take to produce that kind of volume. I don't know. Um, but I think looking at the price of things, it could be worth doing some homework on. And say, do I have a place I could set this up and and produce? This is a you know a livestock feed that I can make on my property or or, or whatever. I might be worth looking into. And and there's some different ways. Uh, you mentioned this in the show notes, and I forgot to really talk about it. But like with the mealworms and the um, and the uh, the black soldier fly larva, uh, people might ask, do I feed those live to my chickens or you're buying right. the millworms and they're dehydrated, they're dried. Right. Um, they're dried or dehydrated, you can, I think. you can freeze them. Now I was looking at some different ways of that, like what people will do a lot of times is so you just don't have this abundance of live critters. Right. You could make them, put them in a container and actually just throw them in the freezer and they'll die. They'll freeze. And then you can either bring them out they're dead now you could thaw them out and feed them to your chickens or you could take that extra step and actually dehydrate them at that point and and they're whole and they're dehydrated but you know you could do that and you could actually sell them that way or you can sell the live ones i mean it's up to you i mean honestly uh dead ones would be easier to manage and you could have an abundance of them on you know in in as an inventory to sell um of course, for breeding stock, you're going to have to maintain those those live ones. Uh, but for for people who are purchasing them for feed, uh, chickens don't care. They'll go crazy for the dehydrated mealworms. They love them. Like I said, oh, it's yeah. candy to them. They love it. So, yeah, uh, I think it's something on a small level that you could go down and just kind of start playing with. And there's there's opportunities for feed for your own homestead to be more closed loop and self-sufficient. But there's this opportunity to be a supplier for other homesteaders and um, and meet their needs. And I think they're I think we're going to see a growing need for this as time goes on. And I think this and to be honest with you, I wonder 
if this isn't healthier for your animals, then buying feed for them. Yeah. I think it probably is to, I mean, I mean it's more natural for sure. They're I still going to get feed, but if right. you replaced part of their rations with this, I think mm-hmm. you're going to end up with a healthier product. I think so too. I think you're going to get a better product. Birds a better... were designed to chase yep. these down. And I mean, that's yeah. just how they, yeah. You know, and now you think about fish, if you're ra- you're commercially raising fish or whatever, you're raising your fish for your own freezer and big IBC totes or pools or whatever. There's people that do that. Um Right. You're feeding them a more natural diet rather than this fish food that you're buying in the 50 pound bag down at the feed store. I mean, it's got, I bet it's better. I mean, it's more natural. It has to be better. Right. When I was looking at the nutrition profiles on those, I mean, it was yeah, just yeah. crazy. Yeah, we didn't yeah. get into a lot of that because we would have went down some rabbit trails, but oh, yeah. uh, the links are in the show notes and we put some links in there. So go check out those links and see kind of the nutrition profiles on some of these things. See that, watch the videos. I think they're, they're great. I think that some of these blog posts are really informing uh, about what, you know, kind of how to set up, how to do it. You know, like I said, there's only so much you can really get into the details of that on a podcast. And some of this is just visual stuff. You really need to see how it's done. And um, yeah. It's it's a great idea. I think you'll have healthier livestock. I think you'll yeah. be more self sufficient. Uh, I think it's just it's a great um, it's a great thing to get into. And and maybe you're grossed out by bugs. It's funny how some people will talk like they're so gr- grossed out by bugs, but then they'll go down and buy that bag of mealworms and right. toss them to their chickens, not think anything of it because they, they don't think of it as a living insect. I mean, it's this dead mealworm but they're dehydrated and they just it's like they don't even think that it was once a worm you know or a, or a, a larva of a beetle rather um it's really not that gross when you consider it you know it's it's not that bad it can get gross <laughs> depending on how you set things up um it's like i said why i never went down the whole black soldier fly uh larva route uh because that looked pretty nasty to me and i didn't want to mess with that right but yeah, There's, if anybody's doing this, get a hold of us. We'd love to talk to you about it. It's really yeah. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna dabble into a few of these for sure on a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely home more now. I have a little more time. I could definitely do the the millworm thing again. Um, I definitely the silkworm really appealed to me because I have an abundance of mulberry leaves, and I thought again, closed yeah. loop. You can close loop this thing real easy. Um, so I'm thinking maybe that would be a cool thing to get into. Um, not for the silk, but for the feed, you know, um, crickets could be interesting. Grasshoppers interesting. I mean, I'm definitely, and now that I see a, a better way to do black soldier fly larva, uh, I think, you know, I would like, I'm wondering if I have an, I don't notice an abundance of them flying around. I don't know if I would get them naturally or not. Like I said, it seems like it's more of a further South thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think they're here, but I don't think they're here in abundance. Well, maybe that's something you could do like in a pole barn. Or, yeah. Yeah, you know. exactly. Set them up out here and, and get them going. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I think it's a very uh, realistic thing that we should be looking at as homesteaders. I, I mean, I think we're going to have to start weighing. We're going to have to start looking at some alternative things. We can't just yeah. continue to rely on the feed system we've seen that this year. Yeah, with it the, can the cost, the inavailability. Um, well, yeah. yeah, and and where's it coming from? I mean, there's transportation. Right. You know, the the getting well, and here. then there's the GMO and there's the spray. Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah absolutely. I think we're gonna have to start thinking of some other. Options. And maybe some of these things are definitely out of the box a little bit, but yeah. you know what? They're they're realistic for a lot of people around the world and it can be a reality on your homestead as well. So, yep. well, if you don't have anything else to add, Rachel, I think uh, we can wrap this up. That's it. All right. Well, folks, we really appreciate you joining us today. And until next time, happy homesteading. God bless. And grow where you're planted. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race I wanna flee, my world I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free.
Today 